0: At Sport Clips Haircuts, they hairdo like no one else hair does. Yup, I just said that. I didn't read ahead. That's because not only is it the home of champion haircuts, they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game, and it should be. With MVP haircut experience, your haircut gets turned up a notch. That's because the MVP is more than just a haircut. It's a spa day for your hair follicles. It's a seven pressure point massage and shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel. Oh, well, a steady stream of sports plays on television. Man, my testosterone is coming out my ears. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. Man, what a claim. It's a game changer.
2: Hi, my name is Ed Helms. And I feel humbled about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Well,
0: thank you, Ed. And I think you should be humbled, Yeah. A man of my stature.
2: <laughs> no, I, th- I feel like as I was walking in, you just kept humbling me.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true,
2: too. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school.
3: Brand shoes, lose, climb the fence books and pens i can tell that we are gonna be friends yes, i can tell that we are
4: gonna be
0: friends hey there welcome to conan o'brien needs a friend got a terrific uh, podcast for you this fine day but of course people can listen to it whenever they like it's not like traditional broadcasting where this is the show for today you could be hearing this many years from now after I've committed horrific crimes.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, Unless
0: they're listening
3: on satellite radio, then they have no choice.
0: Yes. Then they're hearing me pre-horrific crimes. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. You can only imagine what I'm up to. You're just planning it right now. You're in the planning stage. I'm not a good planner. I'm a, I'd be a terrible planner as a, as a criminal. Really? I think, yeah. you think I'd be one of those criminals who, um, well, there's the standard thing where you spend months casing the bank and you get all the blueprints. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do any of that. No. I would just go in, wing it.
3: You wouldn't have your assistant sona plan for you?
0: Well, I'd ask her to and then what would happen, sona?
1: I probably would get distracted yeah. and then you'd yeah. be the day of, you'd be like, "Where are the plans?" and I'd be like, "I don't I don't have them." I don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I I got busy.
1: Can I rob the bank with I've always wanted to rob a bank. Well, you uh,
0: you know we've discussed this a million times. You uh, have stolen in the past, and you'll probably steal again.
1: Um, no, I'm not, I'm done. My stealing days are behind me. Except okay. you want to
0: rob think. a bank. Yeah,
3: but I now do. you're saying you'd Let's like to rob, rob a bank. bank. I want in on this. Don't too? you guys yeah. kind of want
1: to rob, sure. or not even a bank, but like it's kind of fun to just take something. Oh yeah,
0: like from an old person who can't stop no. you. No. What?
1: No. Oh wait, I no. think I, I went uh, the wrong it's, way. Well, no. it's so, I'm sorry.
0: It's so much easier than a bank. An yeah. old lady with a big purse, you just grab it. <laughs> It's my purse. It has my social security money. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) Guys, uh, I want to just quickly say that that's a terrible act. It is. That's
1: not cool at all.
0: Well, depends on how much money is in the purse. If we were to rob a
3: bank, what would our mask theme be? You know how they're like in Point Break, they have the ex-presidents. Ex-presidents, yeah. Yeah. Supreme Court justices. (laughs) Oh, Okay yeah. so who are current
1: Supreme Court yes, justices? Yes,
3: current Supreme Court justices. So who are we? I well. call Sonia. But you kind of look like her. You have similar eh, that's hair. True. So people are going to know it's you. Yeah. And the name's uh... so similar.
1: I'll be a Elena.
3: No, I think no. I think you're Clarence no. Thomas. You're Clarence Thomas.
1: Fuck <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck you two. <laughs> no, but wait a minute. We... <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. No, Can you I have not? to be because
0: it throws them <laughs> off the trail. They no, can't no, know no, you're no, a no, woman. No, no,
1: no, 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 no. I'm Sonia Sotomayor.
0: Yeah. What? Fuck you. No, I'm... you're
1: not. Yes, I am. Come on, man.
3: Mm, and I'm uh yeah I'm Elena. Kagan. Why are you
1: guys taking the two I want? Why can't I be that? You give me Clarence Thomas? Yeah, no one's going to. Look, do you want to get
0: caught? Give me a cool one. Give me a cool one. Oh, come on. He's cool. He likes RVing. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I heard he likes to drive around in his RV. Come on. Give me a cool cool cool. one. I'll
1: take a cool one. You
0: can be Alito. Yeah, you're Alito. (laughs) Uh,
1: You guys suck.
0: You're brittle. You're very rigid when it comes to uh, constitutional uh, law.
1: I'm going to. Oh, no, you're Kavanaugh. Oh,
0: <laughs> Kavanaugh came in with a lot of really f- dark frizzy hair and uh, seemed a little high, and so was that's waving. On, a,
1: that's on point. <laughs> And was waving a
0: gun around. Kavanaugh came in with Sotomayor and mm-hmm. a very tall Sotomayor. Yeah. A six foot four sotomoyor with a shock of red hair coming out from behind if the mask. If you
1: guys make me Kavanaugh, I'm going to sabotage this bag. Well then robbery. you're
0: listen, I like you as uh like we said, I think you're a strict yeah constructionalist, uh or is it constructionist, I'm sorry. Oh yes, uh, make sure you know. well, apologies. We gotta get
1: this sense. straight. Yeah, yeah, it's fine.
3: If you don't want to be Kavanaugh, you can be Thomas. That's okay. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: God, you guys I don't wanna do this. I'm not I don't want to rob a bank with you two. What? I don't wanna rob a bank you two would be the worst to rob a bank with, too. Excuse me? I don't know you'd be like excuse me is it okay if we rob
0: you <laughs> is that because I just said excuse
3: me that yeah. you're saying
1: that? you're too polite I can't see it's you guys good to ask per- in being it's, like ah. it's good
0: to ask permission beforehand yeah I think it would also be a problem that I would want um, some credit for having done it, so yes, I'd probably take right. the mask off at some point, get a plug-in for the podcast. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, take a couple of selfies with people. And what are our roles? Who's driving getaway? Who's safecracker? Who's leader? I'm going to say Sona would be a great getaway driver because you are fast yeah. and reckless uh, and you just go for broke. Yeah. And your cars often aren't, like, there are cars that we can just scrub. You know, we can just set them on fire and walk away, and it's not a huge loss. You know what, what I mean? It's just no. like some old yeah. beat up Jetta, and then yeah. whatever you torch it and you move on.
1: I drive a minivan now, so
0: oh, I didn't, I haven't seen the minivan. Oh my god, oh, I've seen it's it. a
1: whole new we world. Should,
0: we, okay, so we're all dressed as. Uh, Various controversial Supreme Court justices, and we're robbing a bank in a minivan. Yeah, Yeah. and I
1: can't take, I don't want to take the car seats out. So you guys have to be in the back third
0: room. No, no, no. I'm sitting in like Mikey's car seat. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in Charlie's. And you guys go rushing in, and you're in Charlie's, and Sony goes, she pulls up, she rushes in to rob the bank, and you and I can't unstrap ourselves. (laughs) So our legs are kicking wildly. As Supreme Court justices, ladies, Supreme Court justices, we hear the alarm go off. Sona comes running out with the cash. We're still wiggling,
3: just eating rice puffs.
0: We're eating rice puffs and throwing the crumbs around. The juice boxes. And-
1: Why do you guys turn for reasons, into be. BB- for reasons
0: I don't understand? I shit myself, and not even out of fear. I just because I just was like, ah, it's three o'clock. It's time. Blart. And then you have to get in the car, and suddenly. <laughs> You forget that we're not Mikey and Charlie and you start yelling at us.
1: Yeah. And, and we scream
3: until you put on a DVD of Moana.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Wait, so I just robbed the bank myself while yeah, you yeah. two are yeah, but then yourself. later.
0: But then later on when we're di- dividing up the money, we insist that we each get our third. <laughs> and we're real like, what are you th- we're all in this together. You guys, you never got out of your baby seats. Conan, you pooped yourself. And then I had to play a Moana CD while you guys <laughs> ate rice puffs. <laughs> And you, yeah, we want our money.
1: <laughs> oh, Even <man>. split.
4: <laughs> uh, rules
0: are rules.
1: I don't want to oh.
4: do it. We're oh, either in worried.
0: this together or we're not. I don't All don't right. Do it. Stick them up. All right. Well, my guest today uh, played Andy on the hit NBC series, The Office, also starred in the Hangover trilogy. He now hosts a fantastic new podcast, Snafu, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm delighted this gentleman has joined us today. Thrilled he's here. Ed Helms, welcome. I want people to picture this. Uh, Right now, my chair is 17 feet higher than Ed's. It's... It's a request.
4: I, <laughs> it's I, my I,
2: request. And yeah. I'm lying on my back for some reason. <laughs>
0: yeah. Staring up. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's and very I'm, awkward. I'm dressed like a wizard. Uh, so um, <laughs> this, these are all things that I enjoy. It's
2: kind of like the, it's like, it's like the, how a, an eight-year-old would imagine a power play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. I, I work on an, uh, an eighth 8 eight-year-old level. Really nice to have you here. Um thrilled to be here. I'm wish you would put a little more into that. <laughs> thrilled to be here. You know, we were just chatting seconds before uh we were gonna roll on the podcast and we realized well we should include this in the story, but uh you famously uh depicted a gentleman named Andy Bernard, and then I realized, oh, uh I, I knew the real Andy Bernard because uh Greg Daniels, who uh created the American office. We remain friends to this day. He likes to take walks. Um, He tires quickly. So I always bring a wheelbarrow. Sure. (laughs) And he can just lie in it and he eats marshmallows. Uh, And I continue (laughs) pushing us both because I'm so strong. But that's neither here nor there. Greg uh, named, uh, had a good friend named Andy Bernard. So he named uh, your character, Andy Bernard. And uh, I was in the same dorm as Andy Bernard, freshman year of college, same entryway. I remembered, he stuck out to me. Very nice, very nice person. But I think he was the first person who I saw had a computer on his desk. It was an Apple computer, whatever they would have had in
2: 1980. Probably a 2E. Yeah,
0: 2E, I was gonna say. Yeah, well, that's- That was was the first computer in my house. Me too, in school, yeah. Well, it's it's funny to me because I didn't think much about it at the time. I just thought, oh, that's, wow, look at that thing. That's cool. Um, I had uh, a, uh, I think it was called a Selectric typewriter. They had a took a cartridge. What do you mean? <laughs> That's oh. what we had. It's what I had in <laughs> high school. And when it was time to go to college, there was no I'm getting a computer. But I what did it,
2: what kind of what do you mean? It had a cartridge. It, it had a to save, cartridge save that things you, on it?
0: No, what happened was instead of a ribbon, oh, you yeah. slid a cartridge into the side that was the ribbon. You typed away on it. Then when you made a mistake, you ejected that cartridge and you put a different cartridge in that had whiteout on it oh. and you rewrote it. Then you ejected that uh. cartridge. Uh, it was a... Um, so it was,
1: much work. It was a
0: shit brown uh, computer uh, and electric and... Typewriter. Um, Typewriter. I'm sorry. Damn it. it. I called it a computer.
1: Oh, that's so to sad you, It's so cute. You, you I used to you, tell I
0: used to bring women up to the room and go, Would you like to see my computer? Click clack, saying, clack, click, clack, click. clack, click, clack, 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 clack. Click clack click clack click clack-click <laughs> clack click, clack, click clack, Now, question about just this is a yeah.
2: technical question about your uh your typewriter. So so I remember when typewriters went from the little the, the little like metal things that would thwap the paper, right? Yep. <laughs> and they would, they, there was like this major evolutionary step to where it was a little ball. It was a ball. Okay. Yeah. I'll, so I'll you tell had
0: exactly what? I did not have the ball. It had the metal things that shot up. It was electric powered, but the thwappers. The thwappers. <laughs>
4: if we're going to get technical, they were the thwappers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> My computer had thwappers. Uh, anyone just tuning in, very confused. And, uh,
2: Anyone under forty. Very,
4: very, very confused at this point But it point. is
0: this generation gap because um then flash forward to uh to Greg and I a couple of years later going out to Los Angeles and working on a show called Not Necessarily the News. We had IBM
2: I loved that show.
0: Oh, oh great. Okay. Yes. Well we uh we that was our first we cut our teeth on that job. We were twenty two. We we got this job writing gags for that show and those were the electric typewriters that had the little ball.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, we were on those. Then we went to Saturday Night Live and went back in time. They didn't, there wasn't, there weren't typewriters or computers. 1988, there were legal pads. No. Everyone wrote on legal pads. And then we submitted our scripts to a steno pool. Oh my God. Uh, oh was my God. And, and they would keep, they would come to us. I had... They liked me because I have uh, very precise handwriting. Um, uh, and so does Greg Daniels. Robert Smigel, Odenkirk, I think less so. Robert would scrawl. <laughs> and so they would come up to us all, and we would work together on sketches and they would find me in the hall and go, what is this? And I'd say, oh, uh, that says decapitate. Right. You're translating Smigels. Yes, scribbles and scrawls. Uh, but anyway, it's so fascinating to me now that, when I talk to my kids, I sound like a guy that listened to Franklin Roosevelt on a curved top radio. Well,
2: you did say the words stenopool. <laughs> and, and to me that takes like
4: I, I, that that just
2: yeah, that's like you were Right. Like was everything black and white? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, do you want to <laughs> another minute? <that joke>? <laughs> we did not long after there were color televisions, we did we had a black and white TV. My father thought it was a waste of money. So Um, We had a black and white TV until 1977, which when you think about it, that's a long time. There are color TVs available everywhere in like 1963, Mm. 64, Mm. earlier actually. And a lot of people had them. So I was watching Star Trek. I was watching all these shows and I had no idea that the the uniforms were different colors. I thought it was all just a, well, it was a very depressed starship <laughs> and they were all wearing these different grays. And then we went to our, uh, I went to a friend's house and Star Trek came on and my eyeballs exploded because Kirk's wow. shirt is like a bright, vibrant yellow. Sure, yeah, uh, gold. Gold, yeah. yeah. And I had no
2: idea. Um, the rods and cones in your eyeballs were just like- <laughs> I going off, <laughs> yeah. I, they, they, were, it. they were so excited. They, they were like, so I, they, excited. Just yeah. so much for it was us my to... first
0: orgasm. Yeah, Aww. I was standing there looking at a color. It was. I'm Did sorry. You were at your friend's can we house? say I was at my
2: friend's house? Can we call it an eye gasm uh. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm how a dad. An, how about an eye gasm <laughs> that led to an orgasm? I'm so. gonna make an I'm gonna make a dad joke. Yeah, it's <laughs> so.
0: So anyway, it's just funny that uh, I'm amazed now because my experience of college was when they would say, it's gotta be a 10 page paper. I was it, There was fear, oh. am I gonna get to the 10th page? You didn't know until you were done. And if you finished at eight, you'd then say, yes. So what have we learned here? Yeah. And you start. You (laughs) You start recapping. You You start (laughs) recapping. Exactly. And so I repeat, uh, Thoreau, when he went to Walden Pond, and um, it was just bullshit for two pages to get there because you didn't know. uh, And so I, yeah, these kids today, these punk kids today, you, of course, you're you're much younger than I uh, and grew up. With all the best technology, and uh I
2: resent you for it. Yeah, no, I I had a hoverboard as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up <laughs> jetpack. <laughs> yeah, jetpacks, jet wow. flying cars, the whole. My dad's a robot, <laughs> but a kindly robot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. You, you you were saying how your dad held out on the color TV because because yeah. it, it's sort of like uh, an indulgence. Yes. To have why? Who needs a color in your television? Right. My dad was. My dad took watching television so seriously that we were ahead of the curve on oh. like we had a, we had a big TV oh, in our wow. in our basement and we were like very early adopters of cable television. That's how and so I was watching HBO as a little kid. That's how uh, not what years was not necessarily the news.
0: Well, I don't know when it begins, but I want to say it probably started in maybe eighty three or eighty four. Yeah. I think uh, Greg and I show up in 84. Five. We show up in late August of '85, and this was back when, if I wanted, to, I mean, I don't think my parents had HBO, so uh, no, not,
2: it didn't. It didn't work on black and white TV. <laughs> yeah, <it did. laughs>
0: I think you have to check into and and also. Uh, you'd have to like check into a motel to watch <laughs> yeah. my show. Uh, and
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a deep cut. I love that. The name is Smith. Yeah. Well, because no, every end. hotel had yeah. a sign HBO. Like we have HBO, right? That was like on all. You yeah. drive by all the the motels. And hotels. You know, it's a
0: nice throw. One uh, of I I love the movie uh, No Country for Old Men, and there's such a great because that movie takes place around 1980, and there's such a great moment where Josh Brolin's character is thinking about hiding out in this one motel and it says out front, we've got HBO, (laughs) exclamation point. And it just makes me very happy because (laughs) that's what HBO meant to me. That's what you watched when you checked into a hotel. And how many years were you guys on that? I think we were there from 85 uh, through maybe 87. Then we had a period of unemployment. They shrank the staff. They liked us, but we were new hires. And and, uh, so we didn't make the cut and we were... uh, Greg got a job doing SAT prep for kids, and I got a job at Wilson's House of Suede and Leather. Um, and I put that place on the map.
2: Wilson's House of Suede and Leather? Yeah, yeah. Is is, is Wilson as, as swarthy and misogynistic as he sounds?
4: <laughs> oh, Wilson.
2: He doesn't disappoint.
0: Well, it was a chain, so I don't know who Wilson was, but it was... Uh,
4: I Sit work there. Reeking
2: of cigar smoke <laughs> yeah. and right guard.
0: Yeah, His skin is spread. leather. <laughs> his, his face is fine Corinthian leather. Wow. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but we've talked enough about me. I think we should start to talk about you, but
2: then talk more about me. <laughs> Great. Uh, I do. I have endless questions about the not necessarily the news days. Uh, and, and on the Andy Bernard tip, too, since we started there, I'll just say, I always knew Greg always told me that he named the character after his friend. Mm-hmm. And I, as the, you know, as the show went on and Andy Bernard was a pretty toxic fellow, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, had I adored Andy Bernard and, uh-huh. and, and tried to like imbue him with a lot of uh, pathos and humanity, despite, um oh, you know, yeah, some toxic um, inclinations mm-hmm. and, and, but I I often would think like, Greg, this is kind of a kind of a dick move. Like, are, <laughs> like is he is he really your friend? Is this Andy Bernard, or are you? Is this your way of sort of like taking out some frustrations with him? Or and uh, I think I he may have come to set one time, or maybe I just remember Greg showing me a picture of him on set, mm-hmm. and I just remember seeing. A picture of this very sweet-looking guy in like he a, couldn't be a nicer guy in, in like an LL Bean parka or something on a hike, and I just was like, "What? What are you doing to this poor man?"
0: <laughs> Greg also had a friend named Dwight Schroot in college. <laughs> Brutal,
2: <laughs> and he called Ricky Gervais.
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Ricky uh, met him briefly and 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 stole it first. Uh, so, would you describe yourself as a nerd when you were growing up? Um, I would happily put myself in that yeah, category. Yeah.
2: I, uh, I, I got glasses in the second grade. Oh my God. And, um, and I went to the same school from pre first through, through 12th grade. Oh wow. Okay. And so once you get glasses in, in, in that kind of situation, like you're, you're locked in. You're just, wow. you're a nerd and you don't have a say in the matter. It doesn't, it's not a reflection of your behavior or anything. Like I, I was still very athletic or whatever, but I, had glasses from second grade on and and I never changed my peer group. You know I was always jealous of the kids that would come in from other schools cuz I was be like no one knows your history. You what if you were a nerd at your school now everyone thinks you're cool you're like a shiny new object and I never never really got that opportunity. So yes, I was a nerd. The chance
0: to reinvent yourself, which is everyone's dream at at, at that time period. I was lucky because I would switch every couple of years. (laughs) Um, uh, My old man would have to move on when the credit ran
2: out. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> just running from HBO hotel to <laughs> HBO hotel, the occasional Showtime hotel.
0: <laughs> Get out of here. We don't have HBO. We got Showtime. Uh, uh, but anyway, so I was able to try and reinvent, but never did. Yeah. Always quickly reverted to form. Yeah. So um, so you 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 had glasses. And what were your interests? Were you musical back then? So you're 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 quite an accomplished musician. Were you musical back then?
2: Yeah, I started doing, um, I started taking piano lessons when I think I was probably eight or so. And mm-hmm. I, but I also, and, and the funny thing is my sister had taken piano lessons. And so I, I, and she's older than me. So I, I grew up with her practicing piano. And so that just was a very normalized thing. And I just, and I, I wound up begging my parents for piano lessons. And so that's when I started, I got my first guitar uh, as a Christmas present, I think I was thirteen or fourteen. Do you remember 14? what guitar it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I still have it. It's a Gibson Nouveau, yeah. and I just was blown away by this thing. It was so shiny, and, <laughs> and it just smelled good. There's something about. I feel like real guitar nerds are obsessed with how their guitars smell, <laughs> yeah. particularly acoustic guitars, because the inside, like if you put your nose up to that hole. What? No, that's wrong. Okay. That sounds terrible. Yeah. No, I no, one's gonna, that, no I, one's gonna. Take, that, no one's gonna take. No one's gonna take that out that, of context.
0: <laughs> so you get your nose right up to the yeah, hole. Yeah, right up in that hole.
2: Oh my God, there's
0: nothing like it. <laughs> and there's a G string there, right? Oh
2: God, there's a G string. You got to push yeah. that out of the okay, way.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> I, have, I
0: have. both. You disappointed me, and I have new respect for you, both, Matt. Right now, <laughs>
4: that's where I live most comfortably. Yeah, in yes.
0: equal measure. Yes. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud-speaking blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, find out more at tmobile.com/ slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You know, our podcast, we've been doing it for five years now, and it's changed over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten better looking, I think, stronger. Oh. Um,. You no. seem less mentally sharp.
1: I oh these I things did, just
0: happen. Was you know,
1: other things. Well, whatever with like time. The studio, we got a new studio. Oh, that too. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And we got a new studio. But uh you know what? One thing hasn't changed, and that's the great taste of Miller Lite. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this on the drive in this morning. So much has changed, but not the great taste of Miller Lite. You I were I
1: thinking s- about Miller Lite this morning. I on shouted the way it in?
0: out the window at the car next to me, and the guy gave me a thumbs up and said, "I agree." <laughs> It was the original light beer, and to this day it's still the best one, if you ask me. Yeah. I like to have a good time, you know that. Oh, you
1: love to party. My
0: name is Conan Goodtime O'Brien, and I get together with my gang, my squad, and we crack open some Miller Lights, and all is good in the hood. Undebatable quality. Great taste. And guess what? Yeah. I ran the numbers myself. Yeah. Only 96 calories. Wow. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. It's a light beer that tastes, guess what? Ding dong. Open the door. Like a beer. <laughs> the original light beer since 1975. Red Sox won the pennant. Anyway, times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Light. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Light delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLight.com slash Conan, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Hey, you sell beer? Yes, we do. Betcha, Miller Light. Yes, we do. <laughs> hey, Muppet, why are you working here? I'm not sure. Celebrate responsibly. <laughs> Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, we'll Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces.
2: My introduction to the banjo was kind of interesting i i loved bluegrass music already and i was kind of a, a big fan and i always wanted to play a banjo but it was this sort of exotic thing that i that i just didn't have access to i didn't know anyone who had a banjo i didn't right. and then all of a sudden my high school wanted to do a production of this uh kind of obscure musical called the cotton patch gospel <laughs> which is uh a, a gospel story but as a bluegrass musical and it's a comedy it's really pretty pretty brilliant and the songs are all written by harry chapin and they were like where do we want to do it but nobody plays the banjo and i was like give me two months and i'll learn these songs I'm picturing you two whipping your glasses off
4: <laughs> yeah give me two months
0: and you've got another pair of glasses underneath yeah uh, and uh, give me two months i'll wear that banjo
2: and my so yeah my 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 guitar teacher at the time was also a banjo teacher he, he one of his students was a collector and and loaned me one and and we just got to work you know started woodshedding on these these tunes and i didn't learn them well but i learned them well enough and i it was like a a drug i just loved playing that the banjo
0: it's interesting because my first guitar was a a yamaha acoustic that i still have and it's fantastic they're great
2: can i ask you something Mm mm-hmm how did the hole smell? Oh, Jesus! <laughs> well, I'm glad. How you... did that Yamaha's hole smell?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> from one guitar nerd to another. Well, I'll
0: just tell you then. <laughs> uh, I would always sprinkle nutmeg into the hole, <laughs> and you can take that any way you want.
4: Okay. Because it's, I'd like it to not for, take it anyway. It
0: goes for all just holes. Just I'm, ta-
1: I'm taking it in like the butthole way. Sorry. Oh no, oh, no, no, oh, no, okay. no,
2: no. I put vanilla up there. <laughs> <laughs> nutmeg oh is for
1: the <laughs> <laughs> instrument.
2: That feels like it would burn i don't know it's yeah. uh, vanilla extract yeah. or, or like a vanilla ice cream it's <laughs> it, i meant the extract yeah because that's that's yeah it's pure alcohol yeah that's that's a but chemical it's sanitary okay yeah, yeah. Huh. the, um, the
0: tar- hard part is finding someone who will apply it oh. that's the tricky part <laughs> oh God. i often will uh, try and pay a pastry chef to do it <sighs> and they're like uh, i'm oh, not into God. this oh. well i pay them very well
2: oh, why did we get on this? I don't know. I But I do. I could go down the nerdy guitar stuff for days. It's, yeah, my, I have it's to like be, my
0: favorite stuff. I have to be careful. There have been several times uh, <laughs> on this podcast where guitars come up and then... If it's between that and Vanilla Up Your Butt, let's go with guitars. <laughs> okay. Feel free.
3: I
1: like Vanilla Up The Butt. I'm sorry. I love Excuse guitars, me? but what I really about? want to talk about What are you talking about? You want yeah, to talk about no, that? I meant as talk a, about it, not, You just said, not, you you just like said I really love Vanilla Up The Butt. No, no, no. You've got children.
0: Don't you have two shopping. babies at home.
1: Oh my God. This is something come your kids my... are going to be
0: teased about That's in the schoolyard. Fair. No,
1: wow. come on. All right, I'm Get done.
0: Yeah, mom, like Uh Well, this is all Ed Helms' fault. Yeah. A dirty, dirty comic. Yeah. Ed Helms. <laughs> 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 I wanted to get the only, the one and only clean interview with Ed Helms. and (laughs) already hard. I I won't let you do
2: it. I'll just, (laughs) I'll always drag you down.
0: We have other things in common, uh, which will drive our listeners even, uh, more insane. We're both, uh, uh, history buffs and then when you get into the civil war it can get a little intense. Yeah. Uh you you're, was that some was that a passion when
2: you were young? I grew up in Atlanta and and it's just kind of uh, a, around you a lot. Like there oh, yeah. when you grew up in the, in in a place like Atlanta there were so many um, markers and and you we would literally find musket balls like in the in the yard or wow. like weird artifacts here and there and uh, yeah battles all over the place. And, and my dad had a whole shelf of books on civil war history. Most history about conflict, about wars was so abstract, Mm -hmm. but, but for some reason, the civil war being in the South, it was like, I could read about places that I knew, like places that I had visited or places that where I had like gone to summer camp or different. And, and these battles were just wild. And it's just, you know, as I got older and understood the context more, like it's, It's such a profoundly tragic war on so many, so many levels.
0: Yes. Well, also at the time, especially, no one had ever seen a war like that before. I mean,
2: Europeans,
0: you know, people from Britain and France were coming over just to observe because... Is that true? Oh, yeah, they were, because war on this scale using what at the time was this new technology, relatively new technology, uh, you know, things had become so sophisticated and there were ironclads and, you know, uh, massive shells are being invented and, um, and the armies are huge. The armies are just massive. The army of Northern Virginia is huge. The Northern army is massive. Nothing like that had happened before.
2: I don't know. Maybe you and I just have like an a antenna for it. Okay, so when does comedy enter the picture for you? So real early, and and I have to say, like not necessarily the news was pretty formative for me. It doesn't get referenced very much, but but like yeah. I don't hear people talk about it that much, even comedy nerds, but like Rich Hall's Sniglets <laughs> was just a, a legendary thing yep. to me, yep. and I'll never forget certain words like Cheetle. Do we know what that is? It's the orange film that gets on your fingers oh. from eating Cheetos. Oh, wow. Oh. I
0: remember one, which is, because uh, he would always say uh, the description, I guess he would say the definition first. Yeah. And so he well, said- it would he would oftentimes like
2: film the thing. He that would film is. This,
0: he the thing and he went, um, you know that phenomenon where you've got to wait at a light to take a right-hand turn, <laughs> but what, instead what you can do- is if there's a gas station on that corner, you can drive into the gas station (laughs) and then drive out the other (laughs) side and take the right and essentially just cheat that way. And so he said, um, anyone who uh, cuts through a gas station to avoid taking the right-hand turn, is an SO <laughs> I remember that one. SO yes. asshole. Yeah. And um, is there a, a
3: sniglet for people who like to smell
0: their guitar holes? <laughs> uh, Rich, if you're out
2: there, get Rich, back to us.
0: Yeah, Rich is going to hear this. Uh, well, he'll be in a different time zone, but he'll he'll get back to us.
2: Um, right. Not necessarily. The news was definitely an early influence for me. Uh, and then, of course, Saturday Night Live. I mean, that's that's. I think feel like most so many comics just start with a with a connection to that show. And I and and I was like I said, I was probably ten years old, so I really don't think I got a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But what I remember responding to, and and I I really got hooked. There was something like when Eddie Murphy just got on the stage and had that entire studio in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. I just. I it was like I, I just want that. I want to be a part of that. I want mm-hmm. to somehow attach to that. And for decades, I had recurring dreams about Saturday Night Live, and these were all these just weird. And and it, I didn't even compute that this was a recurring dream until I got to New York City to do comedy and was like chasing a Saturday Night Live audition, among others, mm-hmm. and. And I suddenly I just remember this moment of being like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Like I've been <laughs> like I've been dreaming about this for years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and literally dreaming. You know, like having these weird dreams. Yeah, it's it was something that was inside of me. And I I had I just loved did loved it. Did loved you get world. an audition at SNL? I didn't. I so I was I decided I was gonna do like, you know, the Adam Sandler, Jimmy Fallon kind of like New York stand up mm-hmm. pathway that mm-hmm. was like going to be my my way in and I I really was at like I'll be a writer I want to be on the show but I'd be so psyched to just be a writer and then as I got to New York and I was just cultivating everything I could and doing as much stand up as I could and at that I also became obsessed with the daily show at that time like right, right after college was when John Stewart took over and I liked it during Craig Kilborn's run too I thought he was really special but then John just like did something completely surprising and amazing. And I was like watching every night, like, okay, this, it's Saturday Night Live or this. right? And I wound up getting to a point where all my peers were getting auditions and I was just, and and I was, it was starting to feel possible. Like, oh, I'm in, I'm in the right place. Like I'm surrounded by people who are really kind of like doing cool stuff and it's really exciting. And, and it was a, it was incredibly exciting and I think there was... time. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, I guess... I might be wrong
0: about this, but um, I'm pretty sure there's no afterlife. No, I'm sorry, that's not... <laughs> was, oh, Jesus. I, sorry, oh, I, I just wow. wanted to... Um, I just went off the dark road here. Um, no, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure that if I was starting out today, I'd get nowhere. Yeah, I do too. I, I honestly,
2: I, I have that same thought.
0: I'd be working at a guitar store telling people to smell the hole. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: I would just be, uh, I would just be panicking. Like, do I do Instagram? Do I do this? Do I do that? Da, 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 da. Like, how, like, what is the right like in in 2001 it was like you go to UCB or you go to stand-up or you do both like I did and and you start auditioning you get your career on track
0: it's going really well daily show and then um I would think to be at the epicenter of something like the hangover when that hits did that affect you in any way that I mean I have obviously it was a great thing for your career but how did you you're such a uh, solid-seeming uh, person, and you're such a you're you're. Yeah, I mean, you, you do seem like someone who would not be buffeted by the winds of attention and fame. But that that hangover <laughs> film came out. I don't know how you did. You spend it was just
2: one weekend going insane. It was a tornado of of fame and yeah, yeah, to yeah, a lot of buffeting. It was very overwhelming. Uh, But I also, I I feel very lucky on that as well because I had my my public persona had risen gradually. And we had, like when I was on basic cable on The Daily Show, we had what Colbert liked to call toy fame, which is like, you can still walk around and do anything and you don't get really recognized very often, but occasionally you do. Mm -hmm. And someone at the airport who works at like, Einstein bagels will be like this one's on the house that's like toy fame and then then I got on the office and I was on the office for a couple of years before the hangover Mm -hmm. and that was another ratchet up because that's network television and I was definitely getting recognized a lot more, and Andy had weird catchphrases, which of course ups the ante with public recognition right, and right. people shouting things at you at big ba- tuna yeah <laughs> exactly at um you know just at baggage claim, just people shouting that, and that still happens quite regularly but um so i had I had a little bit of um I had some skills set, I, I guess, and just in sort of dealing with that. But then The Hangover was a whole mm, new yeah. level. Like, like when The Hangover came out, it was so exciting. And another way in which I was lucky on that one, lucky in 10 million ways on that movie, but, but Bradley and Zach and I were all kind of at the same level before that. And so we were going through it together. And I really, like, right. if it wasn't for those guys, I don't think I would have stayed sane. But we all had each other to kind of be like, I don't know, just to commiserate and, and measure ourselves and just be like, okay, who's being, and, and, and I think we kept each other from, every, we, we all worked really hard on those movies. And I don't know, we kind of kept each other from drifting too far right. and being too unprofessional. Like Like, yeah. it was something about like, uh, I don't know. It w- wasn't a spoken thing. It wasn't like we held each other accountable by yelling at each other or anything. But it was like, if somebody was out of line it, or, or got, you know, a little too big for their britches, you could feel it on the set and everyone would just sort of like settle back in. course, correct. course, yeah. correct. Exactly. And it was a, from a deep place of like, um, of like, we've been, we're going through this thing together. Like a, yeah. a bond. It, it was such a unique experience. And I I look back on it and wish and it's a classic thing of like i wish i knew more i wish i could go through it again with what i know now because because i don't think i i really was reeling a lot of the time like in the aftermath of the hangover just kind of like get like how i was handling my I was getting scripts for all these different kinds of projects. Like, what do I do? I don't know. I was kind of spinning out and panicking right. about different things. Like, uh, like, well, what, what kind of a career do you want? I don't, I don't just want to do comedies. Right. Well, I don't know. This is a pretty killer drama coming your way. And just all these weird conversations with agents and reps and trying to figure out. Right. It, it, I definitely felt a lot of anxiety and, and yes. like identity kind of, uh, just turmoil. And I will say one of the, one of the craziest things about a, about a like massive jump into fame like that is, and and this, and this is what I think people who um, have never dealt with that or been close to it just can't understand is the just total loss of control Mm -hmm. of your environment. So when you are a famous person, uh, you can't, just can't stand at baggage claim and have expected to be normal. Mm-hmm. And so, you a lot of times, you, you can, there are a lot of ways to approach that. You can get very fearful and try to like hide in the bathroom until you see your luggage come out on the carousel mm-hmm. and then run out and grab it and run away, or, you know, hire lots of people to do all these things for you, or, you know, which I, and I think the best thing is to just kind of like accept the fluid nature of these situations and, and, Except that the stakes really are never quite as high as you think they are, exactly. kind of in your mind. I, and just roll roll with it. And that was that's been a very positive, I think, lesson beyond the even the fame question is just like in a in an approach to life is just being that kind of like the river, like just flowing yeah, in, in those situations. Well I,
0: I agree uh completely. You are amen, I say to you, because uh it's not Taylor Swift's fault that she can't go into uh, a Chuck E. Cheese and and uh <laughs> um I just Know that That's what she wants to do because yeah. we're friends, but um, no, no, she can't because she's tail- There are people in yeah, the yeah, yeah. realm, and she's then I banned think, from yeah, she- oh, because <laughs> she's because some very, loud. very, very salty language. Well, well she used and there. Chucky
2: have a bad <laughs> <laughs> bad. she wrote, she wrote lots yeah. of songs about yeah.
0: Chucky doing her wrong. Um, the guy's a rat, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is, he's literally is a rat, um, but uh. But no, I, I think, <laughs> so I do have sympathy for people like that. Uh, but I know that at my, you know, lower level, I know that when people see me and they go, hey, Conan, I go, hey, how are you? And they go like, oh, and they, they say something nice, about I like the podcast or, mm-hmm. you know, thanks for the laughs. They so go, what's your name? And they'll go like, oh, Steve. And I go like, Steve, thanks. I appreciate, you know, you, just, you make it normal
2: and then they're they're fine. That's yeah. all they want, right? you know, they don't, uh, but- you're right. I, I think it's, to, I think it's about control, like control makes us feel safe. And, uh, and yet we, you can, you actually, if you can relinquish control truly and mm-hmm. you, you will be, feel so much more free and safe. Yeah. And that's, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Um, when, you know, you're going from an unknown person to a very, very well-known person literally changes reality. Like mm-hmm. it changes yeah. how the world responds to you. And I always thought it was funny. Like people would be like, you know, when you get famous, they're like, don't go changing. And you're like, well, kind of everyone else is changing in how they're interacting with me. Right. So uh, how can you even tell? Like, am I the same? Are they, is, is everyone, like people that I've known for 20 years are suddenly nervous around me or like, mm-hmm. you know, acting weird and and you can't tell them don't go changing. What's different? It's so hard to parse and figure out. But I do, I I got to a point where I realized like, it's my desire to control this that's driving me nuts. Yep. The once I relaxed into it and, and settled into it more, and like you said, just being sort of gentle and genuine with people for the most part, as long as their energy is nice, then it just goes fine, yeah. it, it really yeah. goes okay.
0: I mean, I often I'm at the stage now where I have to tell people who I am, yeah. mm. and try and get them to <laughs> yeah. try and get them to approach yeah, me. You just go to the baggage carousel even when you're not flying. Yeah. Oh, I saw, I, I'm a, I spend a lot of time at the baggage carousel, and I haven't flown in in quite a while. I was at and LAX. I hold a sign that says Conan O'Brien.
2: Well, no, I I actually saw you at LAX the other day yelling at someone to leave you alone, and he was walking away from yes. me. Yeah. And I I, didn't. I
0: said, leave me alone. I'm Conan <laughs> O'Brien, and I want my privacy.
2: Yeah. And he just was run. He ran to
0: his cars. Yeah. It was very, no, no. It's that's become its own (laughs) problem. I've created my own negative energy by um, trying to force it too much. And that was your son.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You went too far. uh, Your improv add
0: on was just insane. Um, My father. uh, Wait, I
2: have have to rewind. There's a little bit of my comedy uh, backstory that is that I have to tell, which was uh, a lot of people that my age filtered through your show either as like, cast you know with through ucb or internships mm-hmm. and i did not but i really tried my damnedest and i wound up I, getting an interview uh with cecile is that yeah was that did she run interns i think she did for yeah. a while it's been I a while
1: before my time but yeah oh, so uh C-
0: I C- cecilia uh pleva yes our,
2: she, I was was gonna...
0: our, she was our casting director Nicole Savini was, uh, and Cecilia Pleva yes. also played Cameltoe Annie. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <that's laughs> right. a character named Cameltoe Annie who <laughs> had her own dance and a song, and she would run out and she great, great book. She was great at her job, and then we, we were like, "Are you going to be willing to put on this prosthetic and really tight pants?" You don't need me to describe what Cameltoe Annie was kind look of in like. the name, sure. Yeah, yeah, I think um, it is. And anyway, I'm she would run sure out and do this wild. Uh, hip grinding dance while the song Camel Toe Annie would play, and uh, so a shout out to her because she was great and a true well, warrior. I
2: think I interviewed with her for an internship. Yeah, and uh, because I had when I was a sophomore in college, I cold called NBC Human Resources. I literally called, <laughs> I, I I called information and got NBC, and I said, Can I have Human Resources? And then and then I said, I'm looking for an internship, and they said, Well, when's your spring break? Can you come in for an interview? And I came to 30 Rock, literally from a cold call, I got into 30 Rock for an internship, for, a, for an interview. And they said, okay, well, you seem like a nice kid. Uh, where do you want to work? And I said, Conan O'Brien or Saturday Night Live. I yeah. want to work at Saturday Night Live.
0: Well, and wait then, a minute. You said Conan O'Brien. Yeah,
2: they, they changed, changed it. <laughs> yeah,
0: but Why'd you have to edit it? Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> Make sure, uh, Gorley, that you cut out the Saturday Night Live. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: Um, no, but they said you can't. Uh, uh, they said, well, the Saturday Night Live internships are only you know, fall and spring semesters. Mm-hmm. So which one of those can you do? And I said, I can't, what are you fucking kidding me? I go to school. I can't Right li- in Ohio. I can't go to.
4: If you well, use so- that
2: language, that's probably why you do. Yeah. yeah. And then I was yeah. very angry. And, yeah. and, and then, so I said, well, what else can I do? They said, well, Conan is year round. So you could do that in the summer. And I said, yes, that'd be amazing. And I went, they, she sent me right down to an interview with Cecilia, mm-hmm. had a great chat. And then I went back up and they said, well, while you're here, why don't we send you to some other places? So I went down to channel four, which mm-hmm. was on your floor. Right across the hall. Yeah. From us. WNBC, yep. which is the, the New York city, local NBC affiliate flagship station. I interview there in their press and publicity department. And the, the woman there says, well, this, I feels like we got a great fit. You, you got the, you got the job. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Amazing. Um, but I also had this little pit in my stomach. Like, I think my interview with, with late night went well. I I will just, I don't know. I guess I have to take this. So I went back to school like a week later, Cecilia calls me on my dorm phone and she's like, Hey, great news. We, we'd love to bring you in for the summer. And I was like, Oh, and I had this like crisis and I thought if I turn my back on (laughs) WNBC (laughs) press and publicity. It that will follow me through show business forever. <laughs> it would have. <laughs> and yeah. I can't. You don't and, want Chuck Scarborough and I, on your ass. Exactly. <laughs> and 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 so I I told Cecilia that I had already accepted this internship at like literally down the hall. And that I had to just do it. I had to stick it out. Yeah. And so well, I did. But, yeah. And I and I would walk past your studio every day (laughs) Mm. just like so sad. And I'd say hi to Cecilia and she would like, she let me into some tapings. Oh, good. I wanna make sure I mention because this
0: is, I mean, you're one of the easiest people to talk to uh, and you and I have so much, uh, I think in common that um, we've been chatting and chatting and chatting and chatting. And I haven't mentioned something that I, I think uh, needs to be addressed, which is your podcast. You have a podcast I really like called Snafu. Thank you. And it's uh, it's very well done. It's really well written uh, and produced. And it's telling the stories of, in this season that I've been listening to, this really scary thing that happened in 1983 that I didn't even know about. And this is gonna be the series you can do. You'll be doing multiple seasons and multiple shows about Various things that have gone horribly wrong that right. we probably that we probably don't know about is that a fair yeah so
2: so the the logline of the podcast is it, it's called Snafu and it, the logline is it's just about history's greatest screw ups mm-hmm. and so as you mentioned season one is dedicated entirely like each season will be dedicated entirely to one thing season one is is a Cold War disaster called uh, Able Archer eighty three. And, uh, like you, I didn't know about it either. And it's kind of, and, and the more I went down the rabbit hole, I was just like, good God, this is so important. Like it's, it's a, it's a fascinating and darkly, very darkly hilarious story about how we almost reached nuclear Armageddon in 1983 due to like. Poor judgment, miscommunication, and lots of mistakes. The season starts out with you. You actually get to talk to, it's cool, you're talking to Matthew
0: Broderick, but uh, a very influential big hit movie came out that year called War Games.
2: That movie came out in the spring of 1983, (sighs) and Abel Archer 83 happened in November of 1983. So it was like predicting the future. It really is a eerily similar chain of events this fictional Hollywood movie, and then reality plays out like eight months later. Uh, there's this NATO exercise that happened every year called Abel Archer. In, in 1983, uh, this military exercise for various reasons was perceived by the Soviet Union to be an actual staging by the West for a nuclear attack on the Soviet Union. So the Soviet Union responds by ramping up their nuclear posture, all of this is a misunderstanding on both parts, and uh, there's some fascinating, really wild espionage going on at the time that we get deep into in the in the podcast. And again, there are these very darkly funny misunderstandings, but they're only funny because the stakes are so high that yeah. all, all you can do is laugh, right? It's well, like, also
0: we can laugh now because it's yeah. you know 2022, 23, whenever this airs, and uh, we know that, okay, that didn't happen, chuckle, mm-hmm. but it's terrifying at the same time.
2: What I also love about the story is that it's, it's also a story of heroism because the, the historians that exposed this story, it was secret for decades, and the CIA really tried to keep this under wraps, um, but a few historians really dug deep and, you know, through Freedom of Information Act requests were, able, like, over years, like, very tenacious work. We're able to bring this story to light and, and expose it for what it is. And thank God, because it's unacceptable. That's what's so terrifying. It's like any risk of nuclear war is unacceptable. The stakes are cataclysmic. And when you're seeing behavior that's somehow this clumsy, I think one historian uh, makes the analogy of two drunks circling each other in a bar, mm-hmm. you know, and it needs sunlight. It needs yeah. to be exposed. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be analyzed. So that we don't um, repeat it. Yeah. And, yeah. and obviously, I, that's, I'm not saying that secrecy isn't important. It, of course, plays an important role in, in, uh, in government affairs and in, 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 in international, whatever, all, all the CIA stuff. It's a lot of secret stuff that should be secret. But then oftentimes secrecy gets used really just as a way to perpetuate impunity. Mm-hmm. and that's not okay and that's where i think the the historians really shine on this in this story by bringing this whole thing to light it's called snafu
0: and it's available uh, everywhere you get your podcasts. I love saying that because i never know really what it means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wherever you get your podcasts, like, what do you mean, you know? podcast. Yeah. Nord- where you get your podcast? Yeah, I get <laughs> yeah. my podcasts. Those are good Nordstrom, podcasts. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not cheap. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have talked for a really long time, and I blame you because uh, you're hilarious and incredibly smart and... Uh, it's your fault. You did this. Sorry, I'm sorry. I take full responsibility. Ed Helms, you're a scholar. You're a gentleman. You're a prince of a man in a world of creeps and losers. <laughs> I don't know why I added that last part. Do you but... not
3: see that rap sign?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Ed. <laughs> Thank you.
0: If you work in B2B, this one's for you. No one knows what you do, but fortunately, LinkedIn has the people who do. I'm talking about LinkedIn ads. It's a B2B ad platform that's business-to-business.
1: There it is.
0: Yep, and it's also a boy band I almost started. <laughs> and it's a biz- it's a platform that allows companies to advertise their products or services. You can target professionals, by title, function, industry, and more. Generate leads, drive website traffic, and build brands awareness with LinkedIn ads. Business-to-business advertising is about... Reaching the right people, and LinkedIn has over, get this, 70 million decision makers on their platform. Yep. With LinkedIn ads, you can reach the people who really need to know what you do. Now, listen, it gets even better, too, because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. That's not bad. Just go to LinkedIn.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
3: It's
5: literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best.
1: Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here.
5: REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.
3: Okay, Adam sent me this. This is happening on Reddit. A Reddit user asked the OpenAI chatbot to review Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. So our show has now been reviewed by artificial intelligence and written a review. Would you like to hear it?
1: Oh, God. (laughs) Yes,
0: please. Okay.
3: Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is a hilarious and heartfelt book by the late night talk show host Conan O'Brien. O'Brien opens up about his life and career and how he has struggled to find friends in the entertainment industry. He also discusses his personal life, including divorce and his children.
0: <laughs> I never got divorced. His divorce
3: and his children.
0: <laughs> the book divorce
3: is very is funny, and O'Brien's self-deprecating humor is on full display. However, he also writes about his more serious moments, and it's clear that he is a deeply emotional person. O'Brien's writing is introspective and honest, and he comes across as a very likable person. Overall, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is a very enjoyable read. O'Brien is an engaging writer, and his stories will keep you entertained from beginning to end. If you're a fan of Conan O'Brien or just enjoy a good memoir, then
0: this. (laughs) It's not a book.
1: Why weren't we mentioned? I know. That's fuck AI. Well,
0: it's very highly intelligent. It's good. (laughs) It's good, though. First of all, um, I... (laughs) <laughs> well, I was not aware that I was divorced, but uh, good to know. <laughs> what if you I do better ask look-
3: Eliza? She's like, "Yeah, years ago. <laughs> I oh yeah. yeah. Years ago. <laughs> I left I'm you a long time here. ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I don't even live here anymore. That's so funny. It's um, <laughs> so AI can now write reviews.
3: <laughs> yeah. And have you guys ever heard of Roko's Basilisk? No. This no. is like a, a theoretical idea that if you are ever on record, digitally, anywhere, mm-hmm. not in favor of artificial intelligence, when the singularity happens and artificial intelligence takes over, they will call those people from there.
0: Right. Earth. So if there's any digital image or record of me dissing- Or audio, yeah. Or audio, which this is, uh, of me dissing AI, then I'm- uh, the robots will hunt me down in the in the new reality.
3: And I just want to say, AI,
0: you're looking good today.
3: Mm. This guy over here, Kona, he's been talking shit about you.
0: I, I, you know what? I'm going to go all the way down. AI, come after me.
3: <laughs> Not you me, know? AI. You heard me, AI. Like you, buddy. No,
4: okay.
0: On
1: this. I don't know what, what side so, I want to pr- take. Praise AI. You're going to get yeah. Killed. But then we're we're part of the machine, no, part I'm, of the system. Yeah. This yeah. is or are like, we killed. If we say bad things, yes, we die. Kidding. No, it's
0: like yeah. the Terminator. Where um, I want to be in the rebels. Okay, so I want to be scrabbling around in the broken, sh- you know, shattered, uh, destruction moonscape, fighting the the singularity. That's what I want. Yeah, and I, you still can be. <laughs> Don't read
1: my oh. writing. Gorley. you wrote, you Gourley still can wrote, be. Gourley so you're wrote. towing both lines. So you would also hate it. Now AI. you just- Matt, Matt Gorley wrote. Yeah, Matt <laughs>
3: the
0: AI. You just revealed that you're play both sides. So AI is now coming for you as well. No. You're going to be with me carrying some sort of crude weapon See, as these robots hunt us down.
3: I was going to be on your side, but work as a double agent from inside Skynet. You're a terrible God, double who's agent. Who's Rocco's
1: Basilica? <laughs> It's a club.
0: It's a it's a uh, it's a club in Queens. It's bottle. It's bottle service. It's hey, let's go to Rocco's Basilica.
2: Basilica. <laughs>
0: let's go to Rocco's Basilica. Scope out the
2: chicks.
1: You're not gonna what get killed
2: say? because
0: they're gonna be like, oh, leave her
3: alone. She doesn't. She ain't gonna be. nice. No she's
1: man. not. She's not with it at all. Wait, I, what did uh, you say? What was it called? I'm sorry.
3: Rocco's Basilisk.
1: <laughs> so Rocco's
3: the- Basilica. It would be like just oh, some sh- Italian guys tower like yeah
1: what?
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's a basilisk who's so what's a rocco <laughs> what is happening so <laughs> is this guy i could just come up with theories about it i don't know, who's rocco? I don't is know. something you're what, not telling us what is happening okay Go. let me ask you a quick
4: question yeah.
0: do you believe because i never have i've never believed that robots can take over that they can become self-aware and take over because I always get to that point, and I think, yeah. Then we unplug them.
3: Not we not, unplug not them. Not if they are. They don't
0: have. They don't have the ability to fuel themselves.
3: Not yet, but they may at some point.
1: They well, can invent how? ways to do yeah, it. and themselves. the minute
0: they start to, we go, hey, hey, hey,
3: hey, I hey. I got news, buddy. They already have. You seen those like dog robots they use to disarm bombs and
0: things? You know. Yes, robots can do many useful things, but the idea that oh, that dog robot. Is loose and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. That's stupid. Those little dog what's, robots
1: are little bitches. What's <laughs> Yeah.
3: <laughs> no. Like
1: they still what's do stupid whatever. Is to be so naive. They yeah. do whatever the people tell them to do. Yeah, you
3: they get people creep. Over time we'll get used to it. We'll get used to it. No, you and and take a golf so club out and you put
0: a beat down on a dog robot. Not
3: a dog have you seen what those things can do? They don't <laughs> even have heads, they're just four legs and a will. You're wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. I it's- praise you, AI. I serve you.
0: <laughs> come and get me, AI. Yeah. Hey AI, come and get me. I'm back on your team, AI. I'm back on your
3: team. these
1: nuts, yeah. AI. Thank
0: you. <laughs> hey AI, you're real brilliant. You listened to a podcast and thought it was a memoir. <laughs> <laughs> we will now take over the humans. But first, oh. we must read more of Joe Rogan's Lengthy memoir. Joe Rogan, a Viking who was born in 1911, lives in a custard factory. He's been divorced 74 times and has nine appendages. You will enjoy his book because it was written in collaboration with Willy Wonka. Fuck you, AI. You're an idiot. Conan
3: O'Brien needs a friend with Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick.
4: This has been a Team Coco
3: production in association with Earwolf.
5: When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice.
0: Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy
5: this place on a
1: cul-de-sac?